Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Good evening. Thank you for joining us again tonight on Facebook Live. I'm Pastor Mike Brunzel with Faith Fellowship Church, coming to you from my home in Taylorsville, Kentucky. I don't know what it's like where you're at, but we've been having some beautiful weather here. A little hot, but very nice. Been getting some things done in the yard and stuff. It's nice not to have to worry about a bunch of rain. Rain always causes the grass to grow, and I have to cut it more. So I'm just resting in this sunshine right now. Uh, If you have your Bibles with you tonight, turn with me to Galatians, the fifth chapter, Galatians 5. And let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you. We give you glory and honor. Thank you for the word that's about to come forth tonight. Thank you, Lord, that it's anointed. Thank you that it's not a dead letter coming off a dead page, but it's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you that it's alive and active and energized and it's going to accomplish what it's set out to do tonight. We thank you for each and every listener. I ask that you bless them, Lord. Give them eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that can believe and receive. And we thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Galatians 5, verse 1. I'm going to be reading in the Amplified, Classified Edition. It said, In this freedom... Christ has made us free and completely liberated us. Stand fast then. In other words, hold your ground in this liberty that you're enjoying. And do not be hampered and held ensnared and submit again to a yoke of slavery which you have once put off. Notice it is I, Paul, who tells you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no profit, advantage, avail to you. For if you distrust him, you can gain nothing from him. I once more protest and testify to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation and bound to practice the whole of the law and its ordinances. If you seek to be justified and declared righteous and to be given a right standing with God through the law, you are brought to nothing and so separated, severed from Christ. You have fallen away from grace, from God's gracious favor and unmerited blessing. For we, not relying on the law, but through the Holy Spirit's help, by faith, anticipate and wait for the blessing and good for which our righteousness and right standing with God, our conformity to his will and purpose, thought and action, causes us to hope. For if we are in Christ Jesus, you're born again, you're a Christian, you're in Christ Jesus, he's in you, then neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love. Uh, Faith working through love is a sign of the New Testament, the New Covenant. And the Apostle Paul is speaking here to newly born Christians, new new babes in Christ, uh, baby Christian Jews, and they were relying on circumcision to make them right with God or make them righteous or right standing with God. And circumcision was a sign of the old covenant that they came out of when they got born again. 
And it was a covenant of laws, a covenant of do's and don'ts, a covenant of uh, regulations, which is exactly what religion is. Uh, religion is you gaining heaven based on your works and based on the things that you do. And uh, a relationship with Christ, which is what Christianity should be, uh, is that you're relying on his work and everything that he did for you on your behalf. And it takes faith and love to do that. So uh, uh, living under the old covenant was a form of bondage. And that's why Paul said Christ has made us free and completely liberated us. He said not to submit again to that yoke of slavery, which you have once put off. So he was talking about the Old Testament law, the Ten Commandments, and they put it off when they accepted Christ by faith. And uh, the Ten Commandments or the law was really impossible to keep. And you might say, well, then why did we have the law? Why did God give us the Ten Commandments? God gave us the Ten Commandments to show how short we would fall if we tried to obey laws and tried to live by do's and don'ts and regulations. He, sh he was showing us how miserable we would fail and all in an effort to show us that we needed a Savior, someone that could fulfill all the law in our place on our behalf. And that Savior is Jesus Christ. So anyway, Paul's saying that if you want to rely on circumcision or your ability uh, to obey the law and make yourself righteous with God or right with God, then along with it, you have to obey all the laws. In other words, if you're going to uh, go by one law, you have to go by all the laws. If you're going to obey one law, you have to obey all the laws. And he said the law was a yoke of bondage, but in Christ there is freedom. And, you know, I like to look at the law like this. I think God gave us the Ten Commandments or he gave us the law uh, to show us that the law was a 12-inch ruler and we were 11 inches tall and we'd never measure up. And so uh, Paul couldn't understand why they would want to go back under the law, back into bondage once again, relying on religion or relying on their works in obeying the law and doing the, the law to make them in right standing with God or make them righteous with God. Now, we have to understand that the Jews had been working under the old covenant for a long time, and so it was hard for them to understand how they could be saved and made righteous by simply having faith in Jesus Christ or the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, and it was hard for them to understand how salvation was now a free gift and readily available and easy to attain by putting your faith into Jesus Christ. So they couldn't believe that they didn't have to earn it uh, by being good and by obeying a bunch of laws and a bunch of do's and don'ts. And they couldn't understand how they could be made righteous without having to work for it or earn it. That's what they were used to. They were used to working for uh, everything and earning everything. And they thought, this is just too easy. We need to add something to this. We have to work for it. We have to do something to earn it. So in addition to uh, faith in Christ, we also have to be circumcised. So what they're doing is mixing the old and the new covenants. They're saying that, hey, we need to do the old and the new covenant, both together. But Christ came to abolish the law. Christ came and fulfilled the law, and he replaced it with the new covenant. But in essence, what the Jews were saying is, and they probably didn't realize this, but what they were saying is that Christ didn't get the job done. 
you know, that Christ's work actually wasn't a finished and complete work. And so we have to do something to complete it. We have to do something to make it, to finish it. And uh, uh, it's something that Christ must have obviously overlooked. So we're going to add circumcision to this just to make sure. So yes, faith in Christ, faith in the blood, but also being circumcised. You have to be circumcised. But Paul said, if you go back to circumcision, back to the law, then Christ has become no effect and you have fallen from grace. In other words, you have fallen from God's favor and kindness and you've placed yourself back under the law, back under the yoke of bondage that Christ set you free from. And we've all been there at one time or another where something good happened to us and we're like, really? This is too good to be true. What's the catch? There's got to be a catch. And by nature, we have a hard time accepting something free. And that's exactly how the Jews were. They had a hard time believing that all they had to do was have faith in Christ's finished work, and they would have salvation. They would be saved. They would be placed into right standing with God, become righteous again. That's just too easy. We've got to also do something to earn this. You know, my wife and I would be standing in line at the grocery store, and we'd see a couple in front of us or maybe a, a, a little old woman or a little old man or elderly man or woman. And uh, uh, we would uh, go up to the line and we say, can we pay for your groceries? And uh, we would slide our card through the card thing. And, and they're like, you know, why? Why would you want to do something like that? What's the catch? And, you know, like, am I on candid camera? And, and you know what? It's no catch. We just wanted to do something nice. And uh, we just wanted to show you the love of God and tell you that God loves you. And uh, we do the same thing at restaurants sometime. I tell the waitress, you see a little couple over there? I'd like to pay their bill, you know. And uh, most of the time I would tell them, uh, please don't tell them who paid for it, you know. And then most of the times they wouldn't tell. But once in a while they wouldn't. And the couple would come over to our table and they're like, why? Why would you want to do that? I mean, you know, it's like, why? Because it's hard for them to accept something free. It's hard for us to accept something free. And, and people have a, uh, generally have a hard time believing that uh, something good, when it happens to them, that it could be free. And they're looking for the catch and they're looking for the, why did you do it, you know? And, and that's how God's grace is. You know, it's free. There's no strings attached to it. It's just God loves us so much. He wants to do something good for us. And we have a hard time accepting it, a hard time understanding it. And it's usually because of pride. Pride will keep you from accepting something free. It will keep you from receiving help. And that includes a gift or something free. People have a hard time receiving a gift or, or something free. And, and we think we have to have a part in it. And, and that we have to do something to earn it or merit it. But if we did something to earn it or something to merit it, then it's no longer a free gift. It's something that we worked for. It's something that we earn. And that's how the Jews felt about salvation. They felt like it was something they needed to work for. It was something that they needed to earn. It was just too easy to just accept, accept it by faith through Jesus Christ. So God gave us a free gift. He says, the Bible says he gave his only begotten son, his own son, Jesus Christ, he gave to the world as a free gift. And Jesus sets us free from the yoke of bondage, from the do's and don'ts, from the regulations, uh, from the Ten Commandments. He set us free from the bondage that came under the law. 
And also he set us free from the bondage of sin because we were slaves to sin when we found Christ. And he set us free from that. We no longer have to be slaves to sin or anything else. So uh, along with God's free gift comes other gifts. It's a gift that keeps on giving, you know. And, and uh, other gifts that come with it is salvation and righteousness and forgiveness and acceptance and healing and deliverance. And we can't even mention all the benefits from uh, coming into uh, salvation through Jesus Christ. And John 8:36 says that if the Son therefore shall make you free, then you should be free indeed. And I like the way the Amplified says it. It says, you are really and unquestionably free. Hallelujah. And, and, but we have such a hard time receiving this free gift because of our culture. We think there has to be a catch. Uh, especially in our society today because there's so many gimmicks out there and, and so many people trying to get your information, so many people trying to hack your credit card and hack this and hack that. And, and uh, you know, they're always trying to trick us into something. And so we get cautious. And, and when somebody says, hey, I got a free gift for you, we're like, back off. Uh, but, you know, my wife and I get phone calls all the time. You know, someone wants to give us a, a free vacation, a trip to Vegas or a, a free gift card or something. And we're like, goodbye. Have a nice day. Uh, you know, and we've been programmed to believe that there isn't anything free in this world. And there's especially no free lunches. And, and we've, been, we've been programmed to believe that if it's free, it has strings attached to it because it usually does. And, and I may have actually missed out on some real deals here because of my skepticism, but I just have a hard time believing somebody's going to call me and, and give me a free gift card or a free trip to Vegas or, or Disney World or whatever. Uh, it's hard for us to accept free things. It's hard for us to accept gifts. Now, I don't have a problem accepting a, a, a birthday gift, a Father's Day gift, but if somebody just walked up to you and says, here, I got a gift for you and you, there's no reason for it, you start getting a little skeptical. At least I do. Uh, and so that's how it was with the Jews. They felt like, no, no, not, it can't be free. Uh, we feel like we have to add something to it before we can accept it. And, and the problem is, see, when we have that type of attitude, we take it into the kingdom of God with us, and we look at God's grace like that, we look at God's free, unmerited favor like that, and we figure, well, there's got to be a, uh, something attached, a string attached to it, because this is just too good to be true. And Paul is preaching all these things are free, and all we have to do is accept them by faith. Nothing else, just faith. Jesus paid for it all. You don't have to do anything. But man says, oh, wait a minute. In addition to what Jesus did for us, we need to do something. We need to add circumcision. And they felt that it had to be a combination of the Old Testament and the New Testament to save them and make them free. But they are two separate covenants. And the New Testament replaced the Old Testament. It wasn't added to the Old Testament. It completely replaced it. And the New Testament is called a new and better covenant based upon better promises. Uh, so if it's a new and better covenant, then it has to have at least all the benefits that was in the old covenant. And in order to make it better, you have to add some benefits to it. But this is a covenant that's not based on the blood of bulls and goats, but it's a better covenant because it's, it's based on the blood of Jesus Christ. And so... Uh, 
to, to make it better, we had to add something to it. And there's so many more benefits in the new covenant. Uh, and the old covenant is in the new covenant, but it's fulfilled. We're no longer in bondage to that law of do's and don'ts and regulations. All we have to do is obey the law of love. Walk in love, love our neighbors, love God with all our heart, soul, our mind, love our neighbors, and, and we will fulfill all the law that was in the old covenant. So instead of all having all the Ten Commandments and then the 620 commandments that came under the Ten Commandments, having to obey all of them, not just obey them, but know them, because you can't obey them if you don't know them. And rather than do that, all I have to do now is to remember two things. Love God with all my heart and love my neighbor. Love my brothers and sisters. And, and, and if I do that, all the law is fulfilled. I don't have to worry about the do's and the don'ts anymore. But, you know, it's like, oh, wait a minute. In addition to what Jesus did, we need to be baptized in water. See, you can't be saved unless you believe in Jesus and you're baptized in water. And Paul said, no, Jesus did it all. It's Jesus plus nothing. It's the blood plus nothing. Oh, wait a minute. In addition to what Jesus did, you have to confess your sins to a priest before you're forgiven. And Paul said, no, Jesus did it all. Uh, you can't add anything to it. And, you know, it's, it's man is always trying to take credit for something that only God can do. And entire religions were spawned from this desire to add to the work of God. And, and But salvation was the work of God and God alone. Only God could work out salvation for mankind. And, and circumcision is the work of a man. Baptism is the work of a man. Uh, confession to a priest is a work of a man. And when the curtain in the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom, uh, separating the holy place from the most holy place, uh, that curtain being torn in two represented, this was after the resurrection of Christ, it represented the fact that now the way to God was open. It was open to man. It was open to every man. Every man now has access to God. And uh, that through Jesus Christ, uh, he was declared our mediator, our go-between, our man between us and God. It's in Jesus. Jesus took the hand of God and the hand of man and brought us together in him. So yes, we need a man to represent us. We need a mediator. But Paul tells us that uh, that mediator is Christ Jesus, the man. He says, for there is one God and one mediator between man and God, the man, Christ Jesus. See, we don't need a man. We need the man. We need Jesus Christ. He's our representative. 1 John 1 and 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We confess our sins to God in the name of Jesus, and he said, I'll be faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In other words, we did something to cause some friction between our, us and our relationship with God. And God says, confess that sin, I'll forgive you, I'll cleanse you, I'll restore you to righteousness. And so we go to him and we say, Lord, I messed up. The flesh called and I answered. I did something I shouldn't have did. I'm sorry for it. Please forgive me. He forgives us. He cleanses us, puts us right back into right standing with him. Our relationship is restored and, and we're back in relationship with God. We're back in relationship with Christ. 
and it didn't take nobody to do it except us and God. And that's that's the problem with everything is man wants to get his part in there, and he wants to be able to say that I baptized him and I saved him. You know, he confessed to me and I forgave him and and I saved him. And, and you know, why is this important? Because if we have to receive absolution uh, for our sins from a man, and my sins I committed against God, not against man. I committed those sins against God. Uh, then that means my eternal salvation is hinging on man's forgiveness and not God's forgiveness. What if that man was in a bad mood that day, or maybe he didn't think I deserve forgiveness for that sin? Is my eternal salvation now in danger? Is my uh, eternal life been threatened? I mean, am I still going to heaven? I mean, the, the representative, the man, didn't find it in his heart to forgive me or give me penance. So now my salvation is relying on a man. That's not the way God designed it. My relationship relies on me. And it's my responsibility to keep my relationship between me and God. It's my responsibility to stay in right standing with God. And uh, same thing with baptism. If uh, that man didn't feel like baptizing me that day and I got killed in a car wreck on the way home, does that mean I'm not saved? Absolutely not. My salvation doesn't depend on a man for anything. No work of man can do anything to add to my salvation, whether it's circumcision, baptism, whether it's confession to a, a representative of God on the earth or a priest or anything that has anything to do with a man, I don't have to rely on that when it comes to my salvation. My salvation is sure, and that's because I made a commitment to Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. I don't see too many hearts going up right now. Maybe I'll get to something good here in a minute for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. But that's what that's the problem with religion. It, it you know it it relies on works. It, it relies on us being able to earn our way into heaven. But Jesus did all the work. He paid for it all, and it's a complete and finished work. Uh, man doesn't have any part in it, and we just need to accept the finished work of Christ by faith, and never rely on a man or anybody else for our salvation or anything that comes from God. There's nothing, a man has nothing to do with, with our relationship with God. And faith is so important when it comes to these things because Jesus purchased our redemption on the cross. Just accept it. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Just accept it. You were healed by the stripes of Jesus. Just accept it. God has forgiven us. Just accept it. Don't think you have to work for it or add anything to it or go through a man to get it. Galatians 5, 6, again in the amp, says, For if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. In other words, the works of man doesn't count for anything. Your works don't count for anything. I mean, it's great to have good works, but they're a result of salvation. They're not getting you salvation. Amen? And so... Uh, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, but only faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love. There's the dynamic duo of the New Testament, faith and love. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, neither baptism or no baptism, neither confession to a man or no confession to a man, no work of man counts for anything, but only faith 
activated and energized and expressed and working through love. That's the only thing that gets you anywhere in the kingdom of God is faith working through love. And there's a lot of spiritual laws in the Bible. There's the law of faith, the law of love, the law of sowing and reaping, the law of giving and receiving, the law of sin and death, the law of words, and, and too many more to even list tonight. But there's also natural laws. Those were spiritual laws. Now, there's also natural laws or laws of nature in the earth. For example, water freezes at 32 degrees. Water boils at 212 degrees. Water always flows downhill. I've never seen water flowing uphill. Now, somebody out there might say, well, I did. Well, I haven't. But anyway, water always seeks its own level. These are natural laws. These are the laws of nature. And then we have the law of gravity. It's a natural law. And these laws are always at work. They never take a day off. They never rest. They are always at work. And here's an interesting fact about these laws. Whether they're spiritual or natural, they're always operating and they always have benefits or consequences. And, and here's the thing about them. It doesn't make any difference whether you believe them or not. They still work. All the laws affect you. And they all still work the same for everyone. The laws are no respecter of persons. Uh, let's use the law of gravity, for example. You can say you don't believe in gravity. You can say it doesn't affect you. But it always works. Gravity is basically a good law. I say basically because... Uh, when you come to a certain age, like my, like I am, uh, I just say like I am, then gravity becomes your enemy. <laughs> I don't know if you realize that or not, but my jaws and cheeks used to be pretty firm, and, and now they're being pulled towards the ground by gravity, and they turn my jaws into jowls. <laughs> and because gravity, because of gravity, I developed this furniture disease where my chest dropped down in my drawers. And I also now suffer from Dunlap disease, where my belly Dunlapped over my belt buckle. Uh, but other than that, gravity is pretty good. It keeps your feet on the ground. And here's the thing about gravity or any other natural law. Whether you believe it or not, it is always at work. You step off a building and you're going to drop. There's no doubt about it. Gravity is going to take over and you're going to drop. So here's my point. As long as these laws are in operation then why shouldn't we use them to our advantage? I mean, they're always working and they always bring benefits or consequences. Why don't we uh, work these laws to bring benefits rather than consequences? In other words, stay on the building, that's a benefit. Defy the law of gravity, step off the building, that would be a consequence. So I think two of the most important biblical laws are the law of faith, and the law of love. What's it mean that they're laws? It means that they are going to work all the time. They're spiritual laws that work all the time. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 13 chapter, it tells us that love never fails. The law of love never fails. And so no matter what happens, if you apply love, it will not fail. And they'll affect your life more than anything else, faith and love. Paul said in Romans 3, 27 and 28, can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law, the Ten Commandments, the do's and don'ts. It is based on faith, which works by love. 
faith which works by love. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law, not by our works, not by the works of any man, but only by faith and love we're made right with God uh, through faith and not by obeying the law. See, you can't receive anything from God without faith, and faith doesn't work unless it's operating through love. So faith outside of love doesn't work. That's why I call them the dynamic duo, because they're always working together, and they're always complementing one another. It's a spiritual law. If you're not walking in love to your brothers and sisters in Christ, and you're not loving your neighbor as yourself, as you were commanded, then you can pray all you want, you can believe all you want, but it's all going to be in vain. You're not going to get what you're asking God for. Why? Faith doesn't work outside of love. So since these laws are at work, why not use them to our advantage? Like the law of faith, it's just as easy to believe something good as it is to believe something bad. Um, why do we always believe the worst when it's just as easy and a lot healthier to believe the best? Uh, you know, the law of love is always at work. So walk in love and operate your faith in love or through love. See, we just read where your faith will be activated and energized by love. So, you know, I've used these commercial uh, putties and stuff before to patch things up and that. And you get the putty and you make a little puddle of it on your cardboard or your piece of wood. And then you have to add a, a hardener to it. And that hardener causes that uh, a chemical reaction in that and causes that putty to cure. So you got so much time to work with it and you put it in the the hole or patch, whatever it is you're going to patch, and it will eventually harden, then you can sand it and make, make whatever it is like new again. So in other words, that putty does not work without the hardener, without the additive. And that's the way faith is. Faith is not going to work until you mix love with it, until you uh, work your faith through love, and then it becomes activated and energized. So why not use it to our advantage? Uh, you know, you might say, well, I don't believe in that law. It doesn't change the law or stop it from working. doesn't make any difference if you believe it or not. That guy that stepped off the building said he didn't believe in gravity either, but he believes now. And, and another law that's always operating is the law of words. I might be rushing a little bit. I promise I'd get done <laughs> in 30 minutes. I'm already late. But uh, anyway, that... <laughs> Another law is the law of words. The Bible says death and life is in the power of the tongue. So why not operate the law of words to your advantage? Your words also bring either benefits or consequences. Jesus told us in Mark eleven three 3 that we will have whatsoever we say. So let's use it to our advantage and say only things that will benefit us, not give us consequences. And it's the same with sowing and reaping, giving and receiving. Well, I don't believe in that prosperity stuff. Well, the law is still working. You sow, you reap. You don't sow, you don't reap. You sow plenty, you reap plenty. You sow little, you reap little. And that's all, whether you believe it or not, doesn't make any difference. It still works. But what's really funny is the same person that doesn't believe in sowing and reaping, giving and receiving, that same person believes in karma. Oh, karma will get you. <laughs> Just think about it a minute. But anyway, these laws work for us or against us. So we might as well get them working for us. Walk in the law of faith and love 
and see the benefits. See things begin to change. Keep walking outside of the law of faith and love and see the consequences. Things are just continuing the way they have been continuing. And, and faith is extremely important, but since it only works through love, I think we should concentrate on our work, our, our love walk harder than anything else. Uh, it's wonderful to have faith. You could have faith that moves mountains, but if you don't add the catalyst, if you don't add the thing that's going to activate it and energize it, which is love, then your faith is not going to work. And so we might as well start walking in love. We, we all need a little practice in loving our neighbor, loving our brothers and sisters. And, and you know, an expression of that love is giving. Now, I'm not going to take an offering. I'm just saying that buy somebody some groceries. Buy somebody a tank of gas. Uh, you know, that's, that's the results of love because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So you so love your neighbor, love your brother and sister. So you bought him a, a bag of groceries. You bought him a tank of gas. You bought him a meal at a restaurant. That's just an expression of love. But it's a good place to start because if you can get in the habit of giving because our God is a giver, and he has a giving nature. And when we were born again, that love and that nature of God was put into us. And we're just expressing the nature of our Father. We're just expressing the love and the giving of our Father when we do things like that. So walking in love is the only New Testament commandment that we have to obey. You don't have to study the Ten Commandments. You don't have to study on what to do and how to do it and all these do's and don'ts and these regulations and things that the Old Testament Jews were under. All you got to do is love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your brother. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And your faith will operate like it's never operated before. So let's work on our love walk. Let's start walking in love towards our neighbors, showing them that we love them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give you glory and honor. Thank you for the word to come forth tonight, Lord. I believe it's a word that we can all use. And, you know, you said the husbandman must have to, must be the first partaker of the fruit. So the word is for me first before it's for anybody else. I have to walk in it. I have to operate in it before I could preach it and teach it. And so, Lord, I ask you to increase me in my love walk. Increase me in my the use of my faith through love. Help me to learn how to activate it and energize it when I need it by activating and energizing it by walking in love. So we thank you and we praise you for the word. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you. It was good having you tonight. Good being with you for the short time that we were together. I went 34 minutes. That's a little improvement. I'm shooting for 30, maybe next week. But we'll see you Sunday about 1045. God bless you. We love you and appreciate you. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you. And remember, Jesus is Lord.